I've been a pastor at this church for five years. And it's my desire, I'm hoping that I can be here a long time, if that's what God's will is. Because I love the idea of doing life with a group of people and having my family be part of your family and for all of us to move forward together and just to be the people God wants us to be. And so things are looking really positive for that possibility for me. And I had to come though to a reconciliation in my ministry. We live in a world where millions of people, millions have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. Yet we live in a community where it's difficult to physically be somewhere in our community and not see a church. There's lots of people who don't know Christ and a lot of, a lot, a lot of people who aren't discipled in our community. And there's always ministry to do. There's always a life to touch right here in our community. And that's why we, we are very involved in outreach and mission here in our community. But the simple math lets us know that there's ample opportunity for people in Hendersonville and Gallatin and North Nashville to find a gospel representation somewhere. There, there's plenty of opportunity for someone in our community to hear the message of Jesus, but that's simply not the case around the world. So I had to come to this reconciliation. If I'm called to pastor a group of people for a lot of years, which I feel like I am, and I have a great opportunity here to do that. Then the question is why? If there are millions, even billions, would be accurate to say that, who've never heard the name of Jesus, why does God have me at this church to spend my life here? And I believe it's for this reason, that you and I together, we're here part of this church to change the world. That's why God has us here. We're not here just to put in our time. We're not here to just meet an obligation to, to be some type of religious expression. We're here because God has called us together to change the world. Really, none of us can change the world alone, but together under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we can truly impact the world and the people who don't know the message of Christ. So here is what God's vision for our church is. We, we are kind of organizing it as something called CIL Forward that we all can move forward together in the same direction. I believe God wants you to know this, that he has a vision for your life. He has a vision for you. He has a vision that you would grow. If you're gonna stay at this church, I want five years from now, 10 years from now, you to be able to say, I've grown. I love Jesus more and I love people more. CIL has grown, Aaron and Beth have grown as leaders and I've grown. I've grown, I love God more. I love people more. God has a vision for you. God has a vision that you would become more like him. God has a vision for you. And God also, as the graphic shows us, has a vision for us. And we're here not to be part of an audience. We're here to be part of a family. We're here to be part of a community. We're here to be everything God's called us to be. That's why small groups are so important. That's why men's ministry and women's ministry and our youth ministry all of those different ministries are so important because we're called to be connected. And God has a vision for us to be the city on a hill, to be a group who loves one another, to be a community who are committed to one another, to make sure that our children and our grandchildren grow in the knowledge of the Lord. He has a vision for us that we would be the church he wants us to be. 
But he also has a vision for all. And he has a vision for the world. And those are connected. Because it's incomplete for us to have for just a vision for our personal growth. And just a vision for our church. He wants us to have a vision for the world. That's why our saying is this, our slogan is to know his love and to share his love. And we want to move forward in that direction. And that's why in the month of April, we'll have CIL forward classes because we want to engage as many of you as possible in finding out the vision of our church, understanding the gospel, engaging in ministry and impacting this community and impacting the world. But today I want to talk to you about CIL Global. And that is the realization that together we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to touch the world with the message of Jesus Christ. And it's called missions, or it's called people who give their life to missions are called missionaries. And I want to talk to you about that term because I think that term has become kind of muddy, the term missionary. We attach the word missionary to almost anything. And so we'll say, well, I'm a missionary to shoppers at Kroger when I go to Kroger. Or I'm a missionary to the park when I go walk my dog in the park. I'm a season ticket holder for Vanderbilt basketball. That's been a a point of persecution in my life this year. The trials and tribulations of that. And I've been sitting in the same seats for a few years. I know the people around me. I know it doesn't appear that they're Christians from what I can tell. They know that I'm a pastor. We talk mostly basketball and building a relationship with them. So I could say in the way we apply missionaries today that I am a missionary to college basketball fans. That's how we can do that. Now, this mindset is helpful when it answers our individual responsibility to share the gospel because we do have an individual responsibility to share the gospel. But in its basic terms, the word missionary comes from the word apostle. An apostle is a sent one. And Paul was an apostle. He was the first missionary, one of the first missionaries. Barnabas was, John Mark was. There's all types of missionaries in the Bible. And they were sent from one place to another place. So I think a helpful working definition of a missionary, you'll see it in your notes, you'll see it in your U version, is this. A missionary is one who is sent from a place where there is Christians to start churches where there are not Christians. That, that helps me understand what a missionary is that, that can come in a lot of forms, but ultimately the goal is that in nations, in areas where there is not a local church, Unlike Gallatin and unlike Hendersonville and unlike Nashville, in places like Turkey, in places like Sudan, in places like Afghanistan, in those places where there is no gospel and there is no church and they're hostile to the church, we want to be a team that is sending as Christians people to places where there are no Christians. And that will give us a real focus on why I believe this church exists. We exist for you. We exist so you can grow. We exist for us, that we can become the community God wants us to be. But we also exist for all, so that we can share his love. But part of that, part of that, we have to fight indifference. Because I know you don't hate the third world, or you don't hate people who don't know Christ. But it's easy. It's easy for me, and it's easy for you to become very indifferent towards the rest of the world. And I want to give you a couple of points, three points today before my friend Jackie comes and shares with you of how we can fight that indifference and why people who don't know God must matter to us. 
There's a very definite biblical reason why people who are lost should matter and should make a difference. First reason is this, it's God's heart. God's heart is for people who do not know him yet. His heart's not just for us. Obviously, his heart is for us. He loves us and he showers his blessings and his love upon us. But it's simultaneously for those who don't know him. That's why a powerful scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 4, and it says this. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, we're at the beginning of a prayer movement in our church, and this is a, an important reason why. For kings and all those who are in high positions, if you like them. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? No, it says pray for kings and all those who are in high positions, whether you like them, agree with them, prefer them. So you need to be praying for the politicians and be praying for the city leaders. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, verse three, moving forward, it says, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Now, verse four is our key verse. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart. God's heart is for every person to know him. God wants all people to be saved. He wants the knowledge of the good news that Jesus is the way to heaven, that Jesus has freedom, redemption, Jesus has forgiveness. He wants that message to all people. And so when we support missions and we become sent people and we go to, to people God wants us to go to and, and we fight the mindset of consumerism that's just, I wanna come and have a religious experience and then go and live life the way I want to. And instead, we realize that we're part of a community that has a mandate to touch the world with the gospel. When we do that, we operate in God's heart. We operate in God's heart because God's heart is to reach every person. But it goes further than just that. It's not just God's heart, it's Jesus's command. Jesus tells us to go. Jesus tells us to reach out. In America today, religion has become very private. It's become very personal. That's very important to us that this is my decision, it's my business. But if we go back to the original call to Jesus, Jesus told us to take the message because it's of such high importance and high impact. And it makes such a difference in people's lives that we have a responsibility to take the message to other people. And so our mission statement, our mission statement is a scripture we read last week with a different emphasis, but we'll read again today. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says it this way. Go therefore, this is Jesus speaking, and make disciples of all nations. I underline that word nations because that's not talking about a nation state with a capital. The original word is talking about all ethnos or all people groups. That's gonna be important here in a second because I have some statistics I wanna share with you. Go and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.8 echoes the same theme from the very mouth of Jesus. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were located, and in Judea, which was a bigger geographical area, and Samaria, which was a different geographical area, 
and to the end of the earth. And that has come true. The gospel has come here to North America and South America. And the gospel has gone all over the globe. Why? Because Jesus commanded us to. Now we go back to Matthew 28, 19, and you see that word uh, that says, preach the gospel to all nations, to all ethnic groups, to all peoples. Uh, missiologists, people who are studying the spread of the gospel, now call this unreached people groups. So we're not necessarily looking at Japan. They're looking at the people groups within Japan. And we're not looking at Germany. We're looking at people groups within Germany. And I have a staggering statistic to share with you. There are 7,081 unreached people groups here on this planet. That's a staggering statistic. 7,081 ethnic groups that have commonalities of language or culture that have no knowledge of Jesus Christ, who have no local church, that have no gospel presentation. That means of the 7 billion people who live on this planet, approximately 3 billion people don't know God. They don't know Jesus, the real God. 3 billion people are unreached. That statistic means 40% of our planet has not had an adequate presentation of the gospel message. The actual statistic is probably 42%. So that is huge, huge, huge challenge to us. And it's easy to be overwhelmed. And it's easy to say, wow, what can we do? What can a mid-sized church like us do? Or what can I do as an individual? And the overwhelming data sometimes can cause us to shut down. And it can cause us not to engage. And it can cause us maybe to give up. But the last thing that I want to remind you of today of why missions is important is because of our faith. Our faith. Because I know a lot of you in this congregation and there are very few, just, just maybe I can only think of two or three of us in this congregation that have Jewish ethnicity. So all of us here, more than likely, especially since I know this audience, are Gentiles. We weren't part of God's original chosen people. We weren't, we're not Jewish people. Some of us might be partial Jewish, but I would say the vast majority of us are Gentile people. And I want to remind you of something. The reason you're hearing this message today and the reason that you know Jesus is because a missionary came to you. I don't know how far you can trace that back in your own family lineage or in your cultural lineage, but a missionary came to you. Someone was sent to share the gospel to you. And this comes crystal clear in Galatians, Galatians chapter four, and starting with, with our first verse there. For verse eight, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle or sent one, remember that, the missionary, the sent one to the Jews, the missionary to the Jews also worked through me, this is Paul writing, as the sent one or the missionary to the Gentiles. So in the New Testament, there were very defined roles. Certain people were, were sent to certain ethnic groups. And Paul, who's writing this letter, was sent to the Gentiles, and he took the gospel all over the Mediterranean world, all over Greece and what's now Turkey today and Syria and over into Italy and Rome and, and maybe even to Spain, we think. There's some evidence of the gospel going, going to India. And so here it is. We have, we have the beneficiary. We are the beneficiaries, excuse me, of a missionary. Someone was sent to give us the gospel. And that's why missions 
should matter. That's why missionaries matter because we were the beneficiary of that. It's God's heart. It's Jesus' command. And we benefited from that. Jackie Chapman is a very close friend to both Beth, my wife, and myself. And in the three churches we've served here in the Nashville area, she has been a volunteer in all three of those. She had a very successful career in the music industry. But a few years ago, God called her to pursue missions. And she has become a missionary. And she's the first missionary that our church has sent out. Her ministry is a little bit different than a traditional missionary, but she's part of a bigger movement called Global Initiative. It's something that we support. Global Initiative is is training people to reach the Muslim world where most non-Christians exist. In 33 gateway cities, it's one of their projects. They want to put church planning teams. And Jackie is part of the team that is making decisions and is mobilizing this wonderful ministry. We're so proud of her. And what she's doing, some of you are supporting her. Our church supports her monthly. But today she's going to come. She's going to share the story about how God sent her. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want you to think you need to mimic her story because your story is going to be different. What I want you to hear is I want you to hear the yes in Jackie's heart. She said yes to what God called her to do. And that's going to be an inspiration for you to say yes to whatever God's called you to do. Would you join join me in welcoming Jackie Chapman? Good morning. It is so much fun to be in my home church this weekend and to get giant hugs from friends and giant hugs from my supporters. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you, Aaron, for bringing me in. I work with Global Initiative Reaching Muslim Peoples. We're headquartered out of Springfield, Missouri. And I'm the Associate Director of Mobilization, which means I travel to colleges and universities, speak in chapels, classes, one-on-one appointments with students that feel a call to missions but are not quite sure how a degree in music or digital media or science can be used on the mission field. And we uh, clear that up for them pretty quickly, that there is a connection. Uh, Global Initiative, I'm also the media coordinator for Global Initiative. I've helped to rebrand and remarket and help them with their website and their social media to get them involved um, with the younger, more technically minded crowd. So you can find out more about us at globalinitiativeinfo.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter as well, Tumblr, if that is your cup of tea. And we also have Say Hello, Serving Muslim Women. We inspire, equip, and mobilize the women in America to reach Muslim people. And the third one is Juma Prayer Fellowship. Friday is Juma in Arabic, and it is the day of prayer and worship for Muslims. And Juma Prayer Fellowship is a group of 30,000 plus Christians who are praying for Muslims every Friday at noon. So we have some different outlets. We would love to have you join us in those. But today, I'm going to tell you my story, uh, a little bit of encouragement and hopefully some of a challenge for what God's put in my life. Joshua 3. Joshua 3 says, And they set out, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. 
in length. It's about a half a mile, a little over half a mile. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the breath that you put in our lungs, God. I thank you for bringing us here together to worship you as a community. I thank you for this church, their faithfulness, and their support of me, God. I I pray that you'll bless them richly. Be the center of my words today. Be the center of all that we say and do as we worship you in Jesus' name. You may get something a little bit different than the first service because I felt the Spirit saying, just read what's on the iPad. I'm a writer, so I'm not a a stand-up comedian that improvises from a script. So I may read more closely from my notes, so beware. It could be more pointed than what the first service got. Consecrate yourself today. Tomorrow God will do wonders. Consecration, surrendering your life, divesting the interests that you hold in your life for what God has for you. But it comes with a promise. Consecrate yourself today and tomorrow God will do amazing things. God will do wonders among you. I'm reading a prayer guide right now called Draw the Circles by Mark Batterson. He's the pastor of the National Community Church in Washington, D.C. And he says this, all of us want to do amazing things for God, but that isn't our jobs. It's God's job. Our job is to simply consecrate ourselves by yielding our will to his will. And if we do our job, God will do his job. Let me tell you the amazing things that God has done among me. I have left a successful career in the entertainment industry for a life of missions. I left my home of over 14 years, Nashville, Tennessee, for Springfield, Missouri. Left a regular paycheck so I could raise my own salary. I'm living the American dream. Now, let's be honest, to some people that sounds nothing like a dream. It sounds like a nightmare. But it's the perfect plan that God has for my life. It sounds nothing like the American dream, like what we've been told our whole lives, get an education, choose a career, be successful, maybe find a spouse, have kids, buy a house, get an SUV and a dog. If you're a Christian, you'll go to church, pay your tithe, give to missions, you'll love Jesus, you'll be kind and serve others. But I've learned that I'm not here on this earth for the American dream. I'm not here for the American dream, for the American church. I'm here to live out God's purpose in my life so that he gets the glory. I'm not here for the American dream because 15 years ago, I chose to give it up for God's dream. After I graduated from Hope College in Holland, Michigan, December 97, I packed up my Jetta and my brother, and I drove to Nashville, Tennessee to work in Christian music. I had no idea what lie ahead. I just knew that God had called me here, so I obeyed. I followed, and I figured he would figure it out. I'd consecrated and surrendered my life to God. I prayed the prayer God used me numerous times in high school and college, And then, like the Israelites, I found myself in a position where I was just following God because I had never passed this way before. And for the next nine years, God mapped out a journey for my life, and I just followed. And it was far better than anything I would have chosen for myself. From one job to the next, editing magazines, writing album reviews, learning the ins and outs of the music business, the who's who, 
collecting random skills and knowledge in marketing communications, I discovered a dream life according to God's plan that I had never dreamed possible. And of course, all the while thinking that the entirety of my career in life would be spent in Nashville, Tennessee. But in 2006, I began to hear a very small voice in my head asking me a question, would you leave this? Would you leave Nashville if I asked you to? And of course, I said, yes, God, wherever you want me to go, whenever, to whomever. And I don't think I took that voice really seriously, but I seriously answered, yes, God, of course, to whomever, wherever, whenever. And that was all God needed. He needed a surrender, an invitation. He needed that prayer. And the crazy started happening. That little voice inside my head came a lot louder in January 2007. I was in Atlanta working at the Passion Conference uh, with their media team. And Beth Moore was speaking that morning. And I was up in the press box on my laptop, minding my business, working, when I very clearly heard the Spirit say, stop, look up. And I'm not prone to hearing the voice of God so loudly, so I did as he said. And I looked out at this arena of 18,000 plus college students and Beth Moore speaking to them. And the spirit said to me, that is what you will be doing. And I thought, that makes no sense. I was a music journalist. I was not a speaker to college students. But if you have looked at my schedule of the last month, all I've been doing is speaking to college students. I knew I had heard the voice of God in my spirit. I knew this was real. For six months after that, I prayed and I asked for clarification. For six months, I didn't get an answer. But all I knew was that my days in the music industry were numbered. The life and the career that I loved were coming to a close. I wasn't scared. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset or anxious. There was just utter peace and confidence in God because I knew he had spoken And I knew that he was moving me. He was taking me in a new direction. He was taking me in the direction he needed me to go because I had said yes, wherever, whenever, to whomever. See, God moves people. He's been moving people since the beginning. He moved Abraham from his homeland to a place he didn't know. He's moving Joseph. He moved Jonah. He moved Ruth. He moved Esther. He moved Daniel. He moved Paul. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God moves people. That is what he does in his story. He's moving people. Six months after I heard the Spirit speak in Atlanta, I sat down in my office in Nashville on Music Row, and I thought, if I'm still sitting here in two years, I'm going to hurt myself. Now, I'm pretty sure that wasn't God saying that, but it was me uttering those words that the spirit then stepped in and gave me a little more information. And I felt the nudge to reach Muslim people. That wasn't new to me. My sister and brother-in-law, Dick and Jennifer, had been doing that at that point for 10 years in Sudan. And I had been helping them, just odd jobs here and there as Dick needed help doing something. But I knew that this moment, it was more about me. It was something specific that God was placing in me to do. And so... I said, okay, I, uh, my adult life has been in the entertainment world. I know a little about missions just from being in church and my family, but what do I do? And I felt just God leading me back to grad school. So I applied to Fuller Theological Seminary that summer. That fall, I started classes. Four months later, I was moving to L.A. My life was suddenly taking a turn that I never, ever expected. 
For the next three years, I just worked full-time and I studied full-time. It was a season of learning and preparation. But as I neared the end of grad school, I prayed, God, what is next? Because I know the music industry is not my future. I know you've taken me on this path thus far. And he laid a few things on my heart. And one of one side of it was to mobilize and college students and young adults to reach Muslims. And the second was communications. I was like, okay, I just need to find somebody to hire me to do that. But I knew he hadn't failed me. I knew he had a plan. Six months later, I was doing my internship in Dearborn with the Muslim community there. And I got an email from my brother-in-law, Dick. And he had been talking to Mark Hosfeld, who's the director of Global Initiative. And Mark had said, I need somebody that can do this, 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 and this. And Dick said, I think you need my sister-in-law. So they sent me this email, and those four bullet points were exactly what God had laid on my heart six months earlier. I mean, exactly. The fifth one was moved to Springfield, Missouri. God did not tell me that. Because I think if he had, I would have said, you're crazy. I'd never met Mark. I had no idea what Global Initiative was about, but I could not say no. No was not an option, because I had already said yes to God. I remembered the words I'd spoken years before, whenever, whenever, to whomever. I thought back on the previous four years of change, the words that the Spirit had clearly spoken to me, and to all the details that God had orchestrated in my life. And I said, yes, of course I will go, God. You'll have to change my heart about moving to Springfield, but yes, I will go. I've been in Springfield for nine months now, and I don't want to be anywhere else. I can't imagine being anywhere else. Why? Because that is where God wants me. He moved me there for a reason. This is where my part of his story takes place right now. I had plenty of people say that they were proud of me for sacrificing this career and leaving Nashville for missions, but it's never been a sacrifice. It's my complete joy. It's a joy to be in God's will because there's no greater place to be. It's a joy to live a life with open hands and say, God, use me wherever, whenever, to whomever. Use the talents you've given me. Move me where you need me. To be honest, it barely feels like work. We have far too much fun in the office. And I'm just applying the skills that God has given me um, to put, that uses me to put in this new place. And my story continues. Like, I haven't, I've arrived, but I haven't arrived because the story's changing even now. And I'm still watching God unfold what he has for me in Springfield. And I'm starting to see why I'm there. I'm starting to see how I'm a missionary to the unreached Muslims of that city, to the Saudi students that are at Missouri State University with their gold card to pay for anything they want while they get an education there. I'm starting to see how he's going to use me to mobilize the young adults in my new church community to reach the unreached. It's like Global Initiative is my creative access point to live dead in Springfield. God has called me there. Global Initiative is a means to an end. I'm not a missionary to them. They're not lost other than technologically But God has called me to reach the unreached of Springfield. If I'm not reaching Muslims where I live now, then what am I doing? There are six million Muslims in America. There's never gonna be enough missionaries to go. We're all to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God's heart is mission, God is mission. And Jesus gave us the command, then how can we wait for someone else? I don't have to go overseas to a difficult Muslim context. I don't have to go to Cairo. I can do it here. So why does God have you here in this city? Who are the lost that God needs you to reach? The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. This isn't about a call to vocational full-time ministry. This isn't about going overseas, though it could be both of those things. It is about where God has you right now. It is about how your life reflects God's glory so the lost are found because the mission has a church. God mobilizes his church to reach the lost. It's not about us doing any amount of work. 
It is about us being obedient to God's mission here and now. There will never be enough missionaries to reach the 1.5 billion Muslims around the world. The church must be mobilized. For the Kurds and the Somalis living in Nashville, the church must be mobilized. Where is God moving you? What is he leading you to do? What skills, what information, what knowledge, what talents has God placed in you to reach the unreached? Every job I had in Nashville is exactly what Global Initiative needed. I couldn't plan that. I'm not smart enough. Dick's not smart enough. Mark's not smart enough. It was God. God took me on a journey in Nashville, and there's no waste in his economy. He will use every part of your life up to this moment for a purpose, for his story. My challenge to you is consecrate yourself today. Let God go ahead of you and show you where to go because you have not passed this way before. The day is here that the church must join the mission of God that began at creation to join his mission to draw all humanity unto his glorious self. The day is here that the church must give up its own ideas of how church and missions are done for God's heart for the lost and Jesus' command to go. You can fight it. I could have said God, Springfield, Missouri, really? Actually, I did say that. Or you can say, yes, God, wherever, whenever, to whomever. Even if you don't leave Hendersonville or Gallatin or Nashville, maybe you won't go to Indonesia, to Egypt, to Germany. Maybe he's calling you to Houston, Chicago, New York, Detroit, Minneapolis, Seattle, Los Angeles, to where the six million Muslims here live here in America. But I tell you this, you'll find no greater joy and no greater peace than when you die to yourself to live for God. Than when you consecrate your life, you get rid of your interests for God interests. There won't be any anxiety when you do that because when you surrender your life and dreams to God, you make it his problem. But it's not his problem because he already has an answer and a solution. He already has a storyboard planned out for your life. Are you going to let him tell the story through you? He will take you to places you never dreamed possible. Any plans or dreams you had for your life will pale in comparison to what he wants to do through you for his glory. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I've lived it, and I'm continuing to live it. Let God move you. Don't try to move yourself. Let God direct your steps to the lost even here in Nashville. Nashville's not my home anymore. Springfield is my home, and I may be there for two more years, five more years, or, dear God, 15 years or 20 years. But however long God has me in, in Springfield is going to be the perfect place for me. However long he has you here in Nashville is going to be the complete, perfect amount of time for you here. He already has that perfect place set up for you. He already has the right relationships set up for you. You just need to say yes, whenever, wherever, to whomever. So you consecrate and surrender yourself to God's plan each day, every day, so that tomorrow he will show you amazing things, wonderful things. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for their heart for missions to reach the unreached, both here in their neighborhoods 
as well as at a distance to people they will never meet, to missionaries that may not be able to come to their church all the time. But God, I just thank you. I pray that you bless them and show them favor. And I just pray for each person in this room right now that they will consecrate themselves to you, God, that they will surrender their life plans and the investments and interests that they have for themselves for what you have. Because your story is the greater story. Your story is the perfect story. Your story points to you, and that is where we need to be looking. I just pray, God, that you will just speak to hearts, speak to spirits, and speak to minds for ultimate surrender for your purpose and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a inspiring story. That's Jackie's story, and we're part of it because we support her, but you've got a story too, and it's unfolding. Here's a couple of ways you can help Jackie, and then I want to talk to you personally. Uh, she is looking for more monthly supporters, so as you leave today, if you want to sign up to support her monthly and help her raise her budget, you can either um, send that to her ministry directly, or like some of you already do, you can make that payment through the church at Indian Lake and we'll give 100% of what you designate to Jackie on a monthly basis. We'll send that to her. And also today, if you want to just bless her, if the Spirit's moving you to bless her ministry, she's raising money so she can travel to college campuses and inspire and mobilize students. There'll be a bucket located as you leave on, on the way out the door and you can put write that check to the church at Indian Lake and again, 100% of what's designated towards Jackie or Global Initiative or Reaching Muslims, we'll get that to her and send her along the way and be a support and blessing to her. Let me talk, before I dismiss, let me talk to you about your life. And I just want to implore you to take this example today as an example that if you keep obeying God, as Eugene Peterson put it, obedience in a long direction, and you just keep moving the way God's calling you to go, you will accomplish more than you could ever imagine. And Jackie's been an inspiration to me because she just keeps walk, walking forward. And this story that she unfolded in a really tidy, clean way, Beth and I have seen the tears and heard the fear in her voice at different times along the journey, but God has caused her to move forward into this joyful place today. And he's gonna do the same for you. He's gonna do the same for you. This is an example to you today, but you gotta keep stepping forward. Jackie quit her career and went to California to graduate school. And she and I talk a lot about academic goals because I have some academic goals. And so I asked her this really deep question one time. And, and I said, Jackie, I've got to ask you this. As a single lady, how in the world did you leave your career and move to the other coast? And how in the world did you do that? And what, what motivated you? What, how, how in the world, what steps did you take? And she responded. She said, well, the first thing I did is I went to the website and downloaded the application. A deep, deep answer. That story's really impacted me because it's true that when God gives you an idea, a dream, you gotta just start moving that direction. A lot of people are talkers. 
they can theorize on the church should be doing this and the church ought to be doing this and church, you know, this is what's ideal and, and can sit around and talk a good game, but not a lot of people can actually put action to their steps and she's done that. So I just wanna challenge you. I'm gonna pray for you today before we dismiss that you would step forward in what God's called you to do and who he's called you to be. I'm gonna dismiss after our prayer, but the table of the Lord will be open. I know because of, of our schedule changing a little bit in the service due to our technical difficulties. We didn't give a formal time to open the table of the Lord, but that's open if you just wanna come and, and take communion and, and pray. I won't give any further directions, but both here to the front to your left and behind that middle section is the communion is available. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together before I give our benediction. Stir us, O God. And spur us on to good works through Christ Jesus that we might be the reflection of your glory. Lord, you've sent a testimony today. You've sent your scriptures, reminded us of your heart. You've reminded us of your call. You've reminded us of the the benefits we've received from the missions movement. And Lord, you've given us an example of a young lady who has said yes. So God, I pray through your power, we would have a yes in our heart. Let us not have any resistance. Let us not have any hesitation. Let us not have, God, any indecision. Lord, let us say yes to you, to your way, to your will, and to your purpose. And let us trust you that the same God, the same God who guides is the same God who provides. The same God who leads is a God who has gone before us and he will not abandon us. He will not leave us alone. You will be with us. And we thank you, God, for the assurance of who you are. And we praise you and we thank you for that. Now would you receive this blessing from the Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love you and Jesus loves you.